Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. And tonight I have an author that I'm very, very happy to have on the show tonight. Her name is Laura Davila. Uh, she is a fifth generation Mexican witch, a longtime practitioner of Mexican and Salmeria. Hechicería, Brujería, and Folk Catholicism. Born and raised in Mexico, Laura has lived in the U.S. since 2010. Uh, Laura identifies as Bruja de Rancho, a ranch witch, a term with great resonance in Mexico, indicating knowledge of botanicals and the natural world. She learned her practice at her grandmother's knees. Laura is also a Turka reader and a flower essence practitioner. You can follow her on Instagram at Daphne uh, underscore la, L-A underscore hechicera, H-E-C-H-I-C-E-R-A. And she's my paisana. She's from Mexico. And I am like so uh, honored and so happy and so proud to have you on the show. Uh, welcome. How are you today, Laura? How are you, Laura? <laughs> Mi tocaya. How are you today, too? I'm okay. How are you? How have you been doing? Uh, traveling, you are on my neck of the woods. We're not going to tell people when we recorded this. But you're yeah. here, like, uh, a throw stone away from me, uh, seeing some of your children getting off school and all of that. But yeah, <laughs> tell us how you've been. Really, really good. It's very, very, very cold here, but we can get used to. You know, we we... We have this culture where we adapt to everything that the life throws at us. So, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do right now. Like, just get used to this cold and the snow. And I'm starting to kind of like enjoying it because there is not something that I have often. So I have to, I, you know, I have to make it enjoyable for my, yeah. for my visit. So you reside in Texas, yeah? Yes. I reside in uh, Alvarado, Texas, very close to Fort Worth and Dallas. And I have like, I don't know, like almost 12 years in the United States. I have lived in Texas. I have lived in California, Nevada, Michigan. So I have been like in a, a lot of places and visit others and, um, I was born in Mexico. I was raised over there. And when I was 26, um, we we immigrated here to the United States. So it's pretty much like 12 years. Yeah. I came to the United States at the same age. I was 25 when I came here. I guess that's the age. So I when I came to the United States and I knew I was already a folk, like, folk magic practitioner, and I got involved in the pagan community and the witchcraft community and the Wiccan community. And this, I've never told you this, Laura, somebody, um, I call somebody Bruja, some, an, an Anglo person, I call them Bruja. And this person got really upset and they got really offended and they were like, don't call me Bruja. I'm not a Bruja. I'm a witch. And I'm like, it's the same word, but in English, you know? But, but it has a different connotation. And I, what I love about you and other brujas that I see like myself doing out there is uh, breaking the mold. And not all brujas are pagan or Wiccan or practice that kind of witchcraft. Yeah, for somebody like you and me, fortunately or unfortunately, the word bruja when you had lived all your life there and you have to adapt your own language to another one, have the same, not the same connotation, but it's the same meaning. Somebody who is doing witchcraft, somebody who wants to change something with magic. You know, it doesn't matter if it's like what tradition, you know, is that person or what path specifically that person is following. But here... I have seen the same thing, and I I I don't like to call my my 
you know, like uh, some people call them students, the patrons. I like to call them uh, collaboradores, col uh, my, my associates, my collaborators, because I think they teach me more than I teach them from how people see things here that I didn't have that perspective when I was growing up. I remember one time I was teaching somebody a prayer. I was chatting with this girl, a prayer in Spanish that it had a lot of like rhymes and some words that they were like used in slang. Like uh, for example, lana is the slang for money in Mexico. Yeah. And she was like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I understand that doesn't make sense because a lot of our magic relies a lot on language and she's like but that's the colonizer language or ancestors native ancestors didn't like speak spanish and it shouldn't be like that and blah blah and i was like i understand that and i do agree until certain degree with what you're saying because it's real but we have almost 600 years speaking this language in mexico yeah. you cannot lose into the consideration in the days past she got out of my patreon i think that comment really upset her uh and days after i i because i i continued following her instagram she was getting in a fight with a girl who was white a white girl calling herself a bruja and i'm like why do you care if it, this is the language of the colonizer yeah. and you're making a big deal so does or practice really relies a lot on Spanish language or it doesn't but you cannot have both ways when it's convenient for you not to give a traditional sense I'm talking traditional like 600 years ago when we started you know like adopting these uh conjuros from the colonial witches yeah. and then said I don't want it I don't like it I don't agree with it and then when somebody else is embracing it with that love and calling herself a bruja, you're calling her names, you're calling her appropriator. When our ancestors were very welcoming, were very welcoming people, we still have that um, tradition where mi, mi casa es su casa, my house is your house, let me fix you a plate, you know? I don't know where, in what point we're losing that thing. You know, yeah. I understand that it's a lot of people taking advantage of that thing, you know, in, in of our culture, but we should be like more accepting and more embracing and more welcoming to other people, Absolutely. you know, because at the end of the days, as Latinos, as Latinas, Latines, Latinx, however you want to call yourself, because that's another like thing that I've been seeing with like, Oh, but why you're not using the X? Because we don't do that in Mexico. We're starting implementing the E. Yeah. But, and and that's okay if you want to identify yourself. And if you, I, I totally believe on the agenda is a social construct. And if you want me to address you, I will, I, I have the obligation to address you in a certain way. But you cannot ask for me like, identify like you do you know what i'm saying because i have seen that issue too every time i call myself mestiza you know like i'm a, a mixed person we don't have that negative con uh, connotation in mexico about mestizos now it's not the 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 word developed a lot that is n that has nothing to do with a casta system it's a cultural ownership where we're so mixed that you know, we cannot identify completely as indigenous like they do here for the 1% or like European because we we haven't lived that social reality. A lot of us, we don't even like visit Europe one time in our life. How can we pick one side over the other? So I think as a culture, a lot of us identify that way. But a lot of people here in the United States doesn't understand like the world over there develop it a lot you know over the years but they still like they're stuck in the, the what word that word meant 600 years ago yeah. so yeah i think that's one of the things that i have struggled the most that certain words certain translations certain connotations are not the same in one place or another yeah and some people get like mad because of that but Believe me, I don't do it with the, like, you know, like, uh, 
in a mean way for me just like you like oh you you call yourself a bruja because you're you're trying to speak in my own language not because you know you're saying you're a mexican bruja or a cuban bruja you know so yeah i totally agree with you that language barriers and cultural barriers play a huge role on this witch wars that we're having you know and for nonsense instead of being more united as humans as latinos as mexicans as mexican americans you know there is a a certain aspect of that where yes we are very open and that is our culture and yes definitely we've been taking advantage of that because of that is our culture but then you have people who know no limits and have no ethics, and then they will grab the culture and they will be, uh, I have had people tell me that I don't understand the concept of death or or the Santa or stuff like that. I, I am not a Santa practitioner, but I've been teaching about the death for 38 years of my life or 37 and and they come and tell me you know oh well she is this and that and the other and i'm like no she's not oh maybe you don't understand the concept of death so there is a fine line between opening and and, and teaching and sharing and but then they they take it and they turn around and they try to teach us about our own culture yeah and, that and not only that laura uh not only that that i have seen too like that we have a lot of allies and I have seen a lot of allies of us, but as an ally, you shouldn't speak on top of me. Exactly. You should give me your microphone because you have a bigger microphone than we do as a minority. Yeah. But not speak over us and make it about you and your altruism. So yeah, there is a lot of like, like things like, oh, I'm helping. Yeah, that's what you, you think you're doing, but you're not helping us. You're like speaking over us. You're silencing us by taking the microphone on things that we should have a word about, you know? Yeah. And there is a lot of people who doesn't understand that either. So oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of hard. And, and they're going to say like, oh my God, these gals like jump right into the politics of everything. Uh witchcraft is politics it's very it is it is very uh, um, this... i i was gonna ask you before we go into anything else um because i want to talk about the, the politics and the survivor survival of witchcraft but if you were to be asked because i've been asked this question a million times like when do you start learning witchcraft and i'm like i don't know i it's been part of my life my whole life that's the same case yes too. i mean you were on your grandma's knee and yes. telling you how to do conjuros and ensamos and all that kind of stuff tell us a little yes. bit about it and that's the other thing like people doesn't understand like now with all the social media and like the patreon like they think like we had a curriculum like the Secretaria de Educación Pública, like the SEP, or where you learn this first and then no we've, we've just like we're learning over the march you know íbamos aprendiendo la marcha it was not something that oh today we're learning math and tomorrow we're learning alchemy and today we're learning like you know like harry potter like you know herbalism no you 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 had a problem or you have a situation oh that's what we're going to do and pretty much that's how you start or all of us start learning like correspondences and magical things where okay this this helps for these and this helps for that. And you start like connecting links, just like kids start like speaking their mother tongue or, you know, creating their own language and words in based on what they see and what they heard. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, just like you say, it's, it's a, a, a shock of cultures where you want to have everything set up in a certain way, in a timeline. And that, that wasn't, the case for us you know so and people want to learn what you learn your whole life in a class of six weeks and that's pretty much impossible because i'm almost a 40 year old woman you know what i'm saying you're not going to learn everything that i know in three weeks or in a class of 
you know, one hour. It takes a lifetime. And it can be bottled. And I always make this joke, and I always tell people, Laura, that as Mexicans, we can laugh at the joke, but if you're not Mexican, you don't do this joke. Uh, Mexico is the most pagan country in the world. Don't tell the Mexicans they say they're Catholic. People don't understand that the Catholicism that came to Mexico was very, very infused with paganism and even with African uh, traditions. And it became, after the colon after colonization, religion and these religious practices, they became a way of rebellion and survival and it's always been politics you know it it because what is personal is political so tell us a little bit about that resistance to magic well i think um just like you said people don't realize that first of all we are we were as the first Mexicans, you know, very like they were religious, but in their own way, like today we will consider paganism. And a lot of people who came to Mexico were really pagans or were really Jewish. They were not uh, actually um, Catholic, Catholic in, uh, but the only ones that they were like that were the priests. And a lot of those priests have uh, converse Jewish families and they were like the second or the third generation. So uh, people don't understand that. Even when I say the word amarre, uh, there is a lot of books written by white practitioners or Mexican-American practitioners that they said, oh, the, uh, the word amarre literally means a love spell. That's not what it means, the word amarre. Amarre means to like cords or uh, laces that, are making a knot of two or more elements together. And, you know, that's what it was done, you know, in the Mexica weddings, you know, the Mexica priests used to tie the huipil and the tilma that there's like the, the, the wedding gowns or yeah. the dresses that they use. And, you know, when the Spanish came and when they saw like they couldn't eradicate that practice they adopt that for or Mexican weddings but they already were doing that you know in the Celtic practices the, of their ancestors of their ancestors who were already colonized you know so that's why they they adopted it so easy because it was already familiar for them yes. so, but a lot of people doesn't understand that because we're losing a lot on translations and like bad translations and how, you know, language evolves, you know? Yeah. So for me, it was like a challenge to to um, put in the book to, or talk about like the political side of witchcraft where women has to do what they have to do to defend themselves from the patriarchy and the machista system and the politics that allow still a lot of rural communities that these outrageous crimes, rapes, and so many other things continue to happen without punishment. Exactly. So if somebody said, well, but what that has to do with this or that? I don't know in an, a lot of other countries, especially in Europe, because I haven't even been there, but in Mexico, even in the time of the Aztecs, of the Machica, the Brujo used to be the one, the sorcerer, who advised the war movements, you know, when, you know, like they used to, there's the, the warriors, the ocelots, warriors used to have to one place or another because they, they had their own like astrology systems. So, yeah. Uh, witchcraft, at least brujería la mexicana, is very political and it's very raw. Yeah. So if we we want to make it like all pink and rainbows and unicorns, that's not what it is. Uh, if you want to do, and that's something that I tell them constantly, like, but I don't like it. Okay, you can do it like that if you want. But when we put it on a book, or we do it in a class, we're deluding other people, you're 
abuelos, my abuelos. Yeah. You know, you can create your own magic like you want, you know, uh, but that's not the traditional thing. That's something that I love about my comadre. I don't know if you follow her. Uh, her name is Paola Clock. She created that, um, that school and that, you know, type of magic that is called Magia de las Brujas Morenas, where she is more like specialist in more like the indigenous part. But when she gave when she gave your, her classes to public, she said like, yeah, this happened and that's what I do. But the traditional part is when everything mixed together, not only the Spanish, the Jewish and or the African and the Irish and all the influences that put a little bit of something on our Mexican magic, you know, as a whole. So that's what I try to tell them. Like, if you don't want to, you know, like work with saints, you don't have to. You don't want to work in this or that. You don't have to either. But the traditional is this, you know? Yeah. Other than that, it's like, that's why I, I was like very, very, too, very, 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 very specific that when I, I wrote Brujeria de Rancho, where I am from, what areas I'm trying to portray, how people do those things there. So we don't erase other people in Mexico because that's another thing that I saw a lot, Laura, where that's not traditional Mexican brujeria. This is a tradition, and even in books of Mexican-American people. And I was like, you're pretty much saying like, the only original and authentic pozole is the pozole rojo. But if you go to other states in Mexico, you may have a pozole verde as traditional or a pozole blanco or a pozole negro. That doesn't mean they're not traditional. Exactly. You and, know, and you know, I made a video for, I, I almost never on TikTok, but I made a video for TikTok a long time ago where I tell people Mexicans are not the same we are not cookie cutter all the same a person from the north and a person from the city and a person from the south or from the coast we practice differently we speak differently we believe things differently and we work which is the brujeria the rancho or the folk magic like i know i know this is folk magic right you know this is brujeria de rancho they're very similar but they're not the same but one of the things that you were talking about is you work with what you have. So somebody from La Costa, from, from the coast of Acapulco, whatever, they're going to work on the ocean. They're going to work with fish. They're going to work with uh, seashells or whatever. I'm from Mexico City. We work with what we have, which is the city, you know, the, the toxicity of the city, the dirt, the, the panteones, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Before I continue, Laura, I want to tell people because they're going to be like, what are they talking about? Of course, this wonderful book that uh, Laura Davila wrote called Mexican Sorcery, Practical Guide to Brujeria de Rancho. Brujeria de Rancho is ranch witchcraft. And I want us to delve deep into the book. And one of the first things that you say here on the book that you tell people is how the relationships with with the earth, with the energies, with the santos, with the saints, with the uh, Catholic imagery, you know. I learned so much about Catholicism reading this book because I didn't know anything. <laughs> and now that I read the book, I'm like, oh, so that's what the saints is for. But you were talking about building the relationship. Tell us a little bit about that and why is that important in Brujeria? Oh, well, uh, I think I will say like any type of Brujeria, not only like Brujeria de Rancho, but specifically Mexican Brujeria in general. We're very animistic people because our first ancestors, the Aztecs, the Olmecs, the Mayans, they thought like everything was a living being, like our trees or rivers or caves or the air, the stations, you know, everything had, you know, like that part of it was alive. And they started like developing this relation with these entities, you know, so... I think that's that's something that we inherited, like 
mostly from our first ancestors. And then, you know, when, you know, the Abrahamic religion uh, conquered a lot of these territories, there is a lot of, mostly like in the First Testament, like it, it is very animistic in some ways too. So it is important not only to develop like a relationship with somebody who was alive, because after all, saints had a human side because they were a person before they were a saint. They have their dark traits, their dark, dark aspects of their personality, just like we do. But to like these energies and these like beings that we work with is the same thing, you know? Somebody put one one time like a joke, like a meme, where he put like all the pantry with googly eyes in the garlic and the ro rosemary. And it's like that way I can see them, not as only as a tool, but as a friend, as a living being. And that's a really good trick if you think about it. Like just put like googly eyes on your like, um, frascos uh, of herbs and stuff because it helps a lot you yeah. know um but yeah you, you, that's something that when you want to be like working with somebody closely that's something like you do with when you want to you want to make a friend like hey how are you and we start like making and building up a relationship and yeah. before you start like asking for favors yeah absolutely so and you know, it, it is such thing that it is so ingrained in our culture and it comes so far back from our ancestors. And I I find it cute. And yes, I'm using the word tongue in cheek, how a lot of uh, practitioners, you know, armchair practitioners are now turning into, oh, animism and everything is alive. and And we've been like, We've, we've been there like where you been because if you think that the scissors are not alive i love that you did a whole chapter on the scissors because that is something that every bruja in mexico knows how to use uses you have your scissors and i love how you tell us um the, everything that you put in the book you were telling us like this is how my grandma did this is how I do and here in the United States this is how I've seen people do it so people can understand that you don't have to have the um hi what is the material I forgot um copper no it's not copper uh the metal steel, uh mm -hmm. Acer inoxidable, like uh, steel and steel. Um, I don't remember steel. what is the name. Stainless mm -hmm. steel. And it, it's such a simple tool. And that is something that I love about our magic is the simplicity of it. You work with what you have. Tell us a little bit about the scissors. Well, uh, fíjate que the thing with the scissors, we always use it. I have always used them. Uh, my grandma this and I was told that she gave me like a scissors um you know like a pendant uh-huh and when J. Allen Cross uh went with his book like American Brujeria he always had the scissors and everybody started using the scissors but I felt like here it was more like okay it's to protect ourselves from witches and witchcraft and it was just like that but I wanted to tell people why, how we came up with this practice. It was like way, way, like hundreds of years and centuries behind where, you know, uh, Jacinto de la Serna, it was a priest who was sent here to eradicate our practices, but I don't know what he did because instead of like eradicating them, well, he did but like he was documenting everything what we use for plants what we use as our rituals what you know every specific god and every specific codice you know he documented it and it was so hard because you know in that time like imagine being translating an in um like a native language that you never heard before to 
Spanish. That it wasn't the Spanish that we have right now. That is very mixed with Arabic and Nahuatl. It was their own Spanish. So he he documented in one of those uh, uh, big books that he wrote that population specifically put a jicara that is a girt. I think that's with water with a obsidian blade. So every time a memesco pinky, because it's an specific witch, saw her own reflection on the water, she, she, you know, just get terrorized and start running. But when she wasn't terrorized, because there were some of them that were more like brave, I don't know. The thing that they used to do, not only with memesco pinkies, with warriors too, was to cut the the head from the um this part of the head that is the tonally and in that way they lost their strength mm -hmm. which is another thing that we're very very alike or greek and or roman ancestors i style el cuento de dalila and dalila y sanson you know so he said that you know when they used to do that to warrior and witches, they ended up dying because it was such a trauma for them. Even for Mexicans and Mexican-Americans, we price our hair, you know, it's like our strength. So like this, and these practices start like the, developing to, instead of being a jicara with water was a mirror. And instead of this blade of obsidian, it started to be scissors in in a shape of the cross yeah. because we were like adopting these two practices you know so that's how we end up we did end up with the with the scissors as a way to protect ourselves from witches and i explained very clearly because i know it doesn't make sense probably like how we're going to have this in our house if we're witches ourselves you know and i'm like yeah but you know you have to protect yourself from other witches just like warriors were like trying, you know, it was a symbol like, oh, I have this and I'm going to cut your tonally, you know, and some of them even use that part of the tonally themselves to increment their own, you know, yeah, yeah. it's the same thing <clears throat> if you, if you see it about it. And a lot of people love that part because they were like, yeah, we knew that exists. We always did because our grandmas is, but if you ask, even our grandmas or great-grandmas, why? They wouldn't know. And you told us here in what page in a book from 1653, you know? Yeah. So that's another thing that I think we, at least I owe to the community because there is a lot of people just making stuff up to, just to sell. For me, it was like, you know what? And and it's, that's, that's why it's, really hard to take the price for Mexican sorcery because a lot of people have told me like, oh my God, pricing for Mexican sorcery, but that I didn't invent these, you know, where I put every time like, oh, the, the burn of la, la quema del Judas, eso se hacía desde, ooh, that's not mine. I just like dust it off and I put it here, but I didn't invent that. Like I didn't make that up. Or like when I talk like the ribbon in San Anthony, there is pictures of 1863 in the churches with those ribbons full of coins mm -hmm. i didn't i wasn't even born same thing with el charro negro that's you can it's part of the box populi you can see pictures uh like a uh, movies like macario and you see the charro negro with his boots and his spurs of silver and you know all the temptation that you know i didn't make that that story up you know, no. that was told to us and that was told to our grandparents. The same thing with El Diablito in San Miguelito. Yeah, that happened that my grandparents used to tell me that story. But if you can see that story or that same phenomenon of type or type of pact used to happen in, Pueblit in Pueblitos like Puebla, like Taxco, like even Mexico City. Yeah. You know, that's not that's not something that I created or I invented. It's something that 
we grew up with and our grandparents grew up with and their grandparents did. The only story that I told them like is original of mine is when I got lost in the cemetery and Don Beto is real, but the other ones belongs to everybody, belongs to my grandmother and belongs to yours and belongs to everyone. And that's why it's so hard to like every time somebody is like, oh my God, congratulations. This is such a, an amazing book. And that's a success. I even feel bad because I'm like, well, there is even like it, it, these same conjuros and prayers, you can find them, of course, in uh, like the Inquisition records. So yeah, it's just like I feel I think, bad, you know, but I at the same say, time, I feel. Take take the praise when it comes because you did an excellent job of compiling this information. And like you say, you know, a lot of us know this, uh, but a lot of Mexican-Americans don't. And that's why I feel so, so proud of you writing this book. Like I felt so, so proud of uh, Jaime Jiménez when he wrote um the Day of the Dead, the, El Día de los Muertos. the little book of Day of the Dead, because these are coming from the source. They're coming from Mexican people who was trained, who grew up in Mexico, who knew what Mexico was. I, for example, I keep saying, like, I've been removed 25 years, so I, the Mexico that I left is not the same anymore. But there are so many things, like, I had no idea of the a huge influx of Jewish people in the north of Mexico. I had no idea of that. I have no idea. I love the one with the borreguito, the lana, you know, um, for the Christmas tradition. We don't have that in Mexico City. So I really exactly. like, like that one because I'm like, oh, I can I can either buy one or make one or and then you charge it and for people who are not so keen to do it with the catholic religion with the catholic prayers prayers with with all this like um christian um the things you can adapt these things to your own practice yeah absolutely i was reading and and i hope this is not offensive to anybody please i grew up in a house that was more new ager than it was catholic and my mom and my dad taught us traditional Mexican folk magic and also pagan new agey things. Like I had no idea. I I grew up with Catholic, like the, the traditional, you go to church when somebody dies, you go to church when somebody's going to get married. Baptism, comuniones. And that's it. The Mexican way. <laughs> the Mexican way. And, and I am a troublemaker. So I was always asking questions and that's why I ultimately kicked myself out of the catholic church because it didn't give me the answers but i was blown away laura reading about san martin caballero because like you say these saints were people and again full disclosure i don't mean to offend anybody please take it with a grain of salt this was a roman uh soldier, soldier. To me, he sounds exactly like Mercury, like I'm Mercurio, like Mercury, who is a Roman god. And a lot of the things that you talk about in your book about doing stuff for the money and putting the horseshoe and all of that, those are things that unbeknownst to me that they're done with San Martin Caballero. Yeah. I have done very similar with Mercury. So don't be afraid to explore one way or the other. Yeah. Like explore from the Catholic to non-Catholic or from your very pagan or otherwise non-denominational practice and to delve into Catholicism if it's part of the family tradition. But like you say, always respectfully and building that relationship. Yes, absolutely. You know, another people was saying the same because actually like, uh, San Martin Caballero was baptized after Mars, the 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 two, and he's that person told me he San Martin Caballero reminds me a lot of Samael. If you go to the angels, who is like the 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 dark 
aspect to it. And I'm like, well, actually in the indigenous communities, like the Mazatecs, they say like San Martin Caballero is El Charro Negro. And in a lot of churches, you see the day of San Martin Caballero, he's like in a traje charro with black. And it's a lot of people who is like very Catholic, like Roman Catholic persinadas that they get mad because they know what that means. Hey, so we're so, not going to tell them how the indigenous people, and this is something that I teach when I'm, you know, when I teach about folk magic, the indigenous people will be carrying the the big statues and suddenly they will say the statue cannot move anymore. And because the colonizers, the Spaniards will not lift, you know, an eyelash, they will tell the indigenous people, you got to move the statue. We have to go to the next town or whatever. And these people will be like, no, the statue, the saint, and Santo ya no se quiere mover, the saint don't want to move. And they will put the saints and they will erect these churches on their traditional places of worship. Yeah, because so they were syncretizing that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's beautiful. If you want to like, you know, like get more deep, just like you said, like you can. Just like um, El Cristo de, de Negro de Chapa, también like is syncretized with another, you know, like uh, um, indigenous God that they were like worshiping over there. It's a lot of story, but, you know, mm -hmm. and it goes way back to a Roman and to our, you know, other ancestors. And that's what I tell them, like, oh, you think like we're only like as a culture, as Mexicans traumatized because the colonizers were really terrible. No, but that come like from when there were other people were terrible over there to their ancestors. Yeah. So we have a lot of baggage that we need to heal that doesn't start here it start even over there yeah so but I, there is a lot of people who is not aware of it either you are i am but not everybody people, is you know a, a former apprentice of mine used to say because you know i lean more towards paganism because historically emotionally that's what calls to me right and for the love of the goddess if you do catholic why do i care you know, you do you, and I appreciate not just not just you, Laura, but people in general. If you want to be disclaimer, if you want to be a Catholic witch, if you want to be a Christian witch, if you want to be a Jewish witch, if you want to be a pagan witch, if you want to be a non-denominational witch, be what you want to be, and don't tell other people how to do it because no, we, and we they have that. to take into consideration like. You know, like St. Bridget, exactly. you know, like that we have a lot of that. And if you want to deny it, I mean, you're like, you're like confusing yourself or you're fooling yourself and you're trying to fool other people. But if you want to work with the whole energy and embrace and build up that relationship with St. Bridget, you have to do all her aspects, you know, yeah. or maybe if you don't want to worship her in that way but at least you have to understand that side of her because yeah. now it's a side of her and that is a lot of like people take offense on that but i'm not we're not saying like oh you have to do it like i do it but at least give the spirits give the saints give the the, the deities the honor to to understand their story along the time like yeah. in a timeline uh-huh I was telling you that one of my apprentices used to say, like, well, at least when the colonizers came and did that to us, we were not kin, right? They were one people, we were one people. But when they did it in Europe, they did it to their own kin. They did it to their own people. And yes. there is a lot of healing that needs to happen. Um, the time time flies when you're having fun, Laura. It's already, we're already going into 45 minutes. <laughs> But there are two things. You and I have been talking all day long, like, and like, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know what? If, we, if we go a little extra, I don't care. But um, I was surprised that you didn't talk a whole lot about the Virgin of Guadalupe here. It's just not part I of think, your practice. Let me tell you, no, I am. Well, well, that's, that is historical baggage about it. 
And another one that is very practical. The practical, and I don't know if you agree with me, and I think you will do, like J. Allen Cross did a wonderful job when he talked about Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. He did it in a way where I don't think it was way more to say because I think it was one chapter and a half in that book. And when we used to talk about this dream, this, he was like, I want you to take the microphone and you take this to another level because there is still people who said like, they they haven't get, like they haven't got the American brujería and they said like, yeah, but you said at the end, pray one novena or offer one novena or pray three crates. And I don't know how to do that. And I don't want to go to the church to do that. And I'm like, oh, just get J. Allen Cross book because you know, and I think he did amazing. And, you know, when I was taking into consideration all the historical baggage that I had, like, as a person who has a lot of, like, Jewish ancestry, even if I'm not Jewish, like a, uh, like a practitioner of Judaism, they said, like, most of these people were very close with some Roman saints like San Martin Caballero, like San Expedite, that there is very mercurial ones. Oh, yeah. But not with La Virgen de Guadalupe. Like, you could distinguish when somebody was a converso for second or third generation. That's what it says, this, like, academic, when they, they were, like, having, like, these icons, like San Expedite or San Martin Caballero in their home places, but not La Virgen de Guadalupe which is very common on the north. Yeah, that is, that is incredible because I'm from the center, obviously, El Tepeyac is right next to Exactly. So we we at the center, center of Mexico, that's what I mean to say. We don't do one prayer without her. And even I, as a pagan, who is not abiding yeah. by Catholic saints or traditions, I do have my Virgen de Guadalupe because I see her just like Saint Bridget as a another emanation of the goddess, right? And and Earth, yes. and the divine, and all of that. Absolutely. Before, before we go, God, I can't believe we're already in. And I was planning with Laura, like, yeah, we're gonna take a musical break. No, we're not. <laughs> we're just gonna keep going. <laughs> uh, it was really good. So there's a lot of magic here. And I love the disclaimer that you do when when you talk about uh, love magic. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go into that. Let people get the book and learn of that. But there's a lot of magic of dissidence and protection for women. Like the one that um, makes uh, men sick when they drink and stuff like that. Yeah. Why is that so important to have? In Brujeria de Ranch. Yeah, I, I think as a Mexicans in general, not only in Mexico, in the United States, and as a Latinas, we love our men, we love our men, children, but a lot of us have a lot of like baggage in our culture where we don't even enjoy them. We endure them. We suffer them. Because, you know, machismo runs in our culture. So that's why I talk about like the the side of the, you know, the practice where, okay, let's, let's put ourselves where we need to protect ourselves or, or of alcoholic husbands or alcoholic children or the aggressive ones, because I put an endulzamiento with balsamo tranquilo and a cordero manso. I think like, even though like we're trying really hard to raise our children better, this has to be like a collective thing, you know? Mm. And I, I don't think we have done enough work of it. We're, we're getting like better, but we still have like a lot of like, you know, like bat on these. And not only on that regard, but you know, there is another ways of violence because that was a girl who was arguing with that, but that doesn't happen here in the United States, like the violent economic violence. And I'm like, well, maybe it will not happen like it happened to your grandma where like Bartola, I te dejo estos dos pesos. And make, and but make now, it. 
Yeah. Maybe you're having somebody who you want to divorce, but that person already told you, okay, if you leave me, I'm going to work under the table or I'm going to quit my job so I control my money and you don't divorce me and you don't have child support mm -hmm. or you get way less because it's my way to control you. And this, So this it's person, still happening, but in another ways. And this person that told you that it doesn't happen in the United States are not aware that women made 75 cents to a men's dollar? It's Absolutely. A it's a whole system. It's not just one person. Absolutely. I, I love I love you, Laura. Since I met you, I just like you so much. Me I too. You're wonderful. Um, people, please look it up, buy it, learn, build those relationships, practice, and do what you need to do to survive and to thrive. Mexican Sorcery, a practical guide to Brujeria de Rancho by Laura Davila, Daphne La Hechicera. That's how you find her on, on Insta on um Instagram as Daphne Lachisera. And um, Laura, I have nothing else but to give you the microphones so you can say goodnight to your audience. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for having me here. The only thing that I want to just leave here is I know, especially for Mexican-Americans, that you feel disconnected from the culture or you feel like you were uprooted. Just want to say that immigration is an act of love it's an act of bravery a lot of your grandmas your great grandmas immigrated here and even without knowing you without you existing they already love you and that's why you're here they risked their own lives in a lot of cases for you to have a better future never feel ashamed where you come from or like you could have something better they did this for out of love that's it Thank you so much, Laura, for being here. And thank you to everybody who is uh, part of this show. My job is just to remind you that you can follow us, CSMP, The Circle, Century Network Podcast. We have over 900 hours of podcasts that you can download, listen, and archive for your personal use. We have shows by Selena Fox. We have shows by, <clears throat> excuse me, Charlotte Bear, uh, Deborah Rose. Paganos del Mundo on Spanish and Portuguese with Christian Ortiz, Carolina Amor, Harwa Tuileva, Monica Gobin, and Patricia Finclair, and yours truly, Laura Gonzalez. And obviously, we have Lunatic Mondays uh, with Laura Gonzalez. I know I stopped doing Lunes Lunaticos. I, I don't do Lunes Lunaticos on Spanish anymore, but uh, I'm still doing Paganos del Mundo on Spanish for those who wish to hear me on Spanish. And uh, until we meet again, Never forget that you are love and that Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. Until we meet again, you are loved. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.